0: From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's program, visual acuity and the tear layer.
1: Dry eyes is finally getting the attention and publicity that it deserves. It still remains to be the most common patient that we see in our office. Instead of telling our patients to use tears and seem again in a year, I think these patients deserve a little more attention.
0: First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Latkaini declares royalty from Sanomed and contracted research from Novartis. The patient in your examination chair is refractable to only 20-25. Examination demonstrates no media opacity, no maculopathy or neuropathy. What's your next step? hard contact lens over-refraction, corneal topography, wavefront analysis. Robert Latkaini thinks it should be to instill a drop of artificial tears. Dr. Latkaini has just published the results of a study examining the effect of dry eye on visual acuity. I'm delighted to have him as my guest today. For the purposes of this study, you, you divided dry eye patients into asymptomatic and symptomatic patients. Why did you do this?
1: Well, as we all know, there's There have been a number of studies now that show that there's not really a strong correlation between signs and symptoms. You get those patients that come in with fairly significant erosions and you'd expect them to be symptomatic and they don't really have any complaints. And Then you get the patients that come in and might have one erosion um, and are miserable and you don't really know why one's worse than the other. And, and uh, so I basically, as most people do, you, we can't really 100% rely on signs, nor can we 100% rely on symptoms. So breaking them up into two different groups to cover both ends of the spectrum of dry eye patients to see if there was any difference in improvement of visual acuity in these two subgroups.
0: Did you anticipate a difference, you know, pri- prior to doing the study, between the, the, the yeah? The
1: I would I was I was I was assuming that the symptomatic dry eye group would probably improve uh, much greater than the asymptomatic dry eye group.
0: Now, for for the purposes of this study, what defined dry dry eye, or or a, or another way of putting it, what were your in- inclusion criteria for the study?
1: Sure. So for the uh, symptomatic dry eye group, I use the ocular surface disease index, which is a commonly used questionnaire form that grades the level of, of dry eyes and uh, it's used commonly in lots of clinical trials. And scores greater than 8 on the ocular surface disease index would put them in the symptomatic dry eye group. Scores eight or less would put them in the uh, asymptomatic group. So that was one thing. And then I used peer breakup time of less than five seconds for the symptomatic group and greater than five seconds for the asymptomatic group. And that varies from clinical trial to another. It's basically, even I think in the academy books, anything less than 10 seconds is considered uh, abnormal. I've seen 7 seconds, but to clearly make a case for the fairly significant condition, uh, I'd put it at 5 seconds. And then lastly was the, in the symptomatic group, a Schirmer score of less than 10 millimeters without anesthesia would uh, put them in the symptomatic group. And for both, They had to be over the age of 40 because I wanted to assess the uncorrected near-visual acuity. So um, obviously, in in a 20-year-old, I'm not going to have any issues with uh, too many patients worse than twenty twenty vision. So I made it so that every patient had to be over the age of 40.
0: What are the sorts of questions that are asked on the OSDI?
1: On the Octosurface Disease Index? I mean, it's basically uh, the typical ones that are found in most questionnaires. The the level of burning, light sensitivity, blurry vision, pain. And uh, most of the questionnaires are somewhat similar. And then they also address certain environments. Are your symptoms worse in an air-conditioned room and uh, things like that?
0: Rob, can I have you describe the design of the study?
1: Sure. So basically uh, I used, uh, I mean, I guess the purpose basically of the study was to measure the effect of a commonly used artificial tear drop called uh, Refresh Plus. Uh, The effect of this artificial tear on visual acuity um, in symptomatic dry eye patients and asymptomatic dry eye patients, we chose 40 eyes for each group, so 20 patients in each group, and um, measured their distance visual acuity and near visual acuity, both corrected and uncorrected, before installation of Refresh Plus and immediately after. Uh, installation of the Refresh Plus drop and measured the difference or level of improvement um, or worsening after installation of the drop. And um, I also looked at the duration of benefit of the Refresh Plus uh, drop, measuring them at uh, one-minute intervals and um, basically got all the results from that.
0: I'm very eager to talk about what your what your findings were. Let me first ask you just to, to describe what the results of the of the study were.
1: Sure. Uh, so in the we'll break them into the two different groups. In the symptomatic dry group, all four categories uh, the uncorrected near and distance and the corrected near and distance vision. All showed uh, statistically significant improvement um, after use of the uh, refresh plus drop. The p values were very significant. Surprisingly enough, the same thing applied for the asymptomatic dry group. All four categories, the uncorrected near and distance, and the corrected near and distance vision, all showed uh, fairly significant, statistically significant improvement in vision after use of the uh, Refresh Plus drop. I can give you the p-values if you want, and that there was no difference uh, between the two groups. Uh, there was no statistically significant difference between the symptomatic group and the asymptomatic group.
0: In, in terms of the, the improvement the level of in improvement. vision, yes, the level. what about the duration of the effect of the drop?
1: So in the symptomatic group, it was just under three minutes. In the asymptomatic group, it, it was longer, uh, which was a little statistically significant. It was almost four minutes. And what happens in that three minutes and four minutes range is is it goes back to the baseline level as before I put the drop in. So they don't have their best visual acuity for the entire three or four minutes. It slowly declines, Um uh, over the four minutes. But um, so you're talking, it's quite interesting that you're only talking about seconds to um, a minute or two of you know, significant improvement of vision. And then it just uh, uh, diminishes thereafter um, and on average uh, reaches a three-minute improvement uh, with the symptomatic group and a four-minute improvement with the asymptomatic group.
0: You compared asymptomatic to symptomatic dry eye patients, but do do we know what the effect of artificial tears are on patients in in terms of vision in patients who don't have dry eye?
1: I mean, there, there's probably about you know five or six papers that use controls um, of this quote-unquote normal group of patients and. Um, um, I question whether these are truly normal patients because I'm showing you in this paper symptomatic versus asymptomatic patients, uh, and we all know that most people use Schirmer method of of diagnosing dry eyes, and it's well understood that it's a fairly unreliable method of of, of diagnosing dry eyes, and uh, we're all looking for some other method of of uh, more of a, a uh, more specific and sensitive method of diagnosing drives. So um, there are about six studies or so that showed that uh, the normal group of patients don't really improve uh, a whole lot uh, with teardrop installation. And that does make sense to me because um, the belief is that somehow this, this teardrop Uh, normalizes this tear film, uh, this normalizes this this, uh, unstable tear film um, and possibly reduces uh, aberrations and uh, thereby improving the quality of vision. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's probably some truth in the matter that um, normal patients really won't improve a whole lot.
0: You identified... This particular artificial tear agent, carboxy cellulose, yeah, yeah. Uh, as the um, as the agent that you that you wanted to test for the study, because of the experience that you had had with this agent with LASIK patients, can uh, you can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. Um, so, I, I also, if you if you want to know, I, as of now, I still don't have any. Um, uh, i not a consultant or am I seeking any uh, benefit from any company at all uh, regarding this the uh, drops used in this study or other studies. So sure. just to clarify that. But basically, I use Refresh Plus, one, because it's probably one of the more commonly used ones. And clearly, before the start of this study, this is the one that uh, I saw the most benefit from. I saw equal benefit from uh, Theratyrs, which is carboxymethylcellulose, uh, I believe 0.3%, and um, uh, also uh, uh, Bausch & Lomb Moisturize, Mm -hmm. and also uh, Aqua Mini Drops. And uh, all four of those worked. I couldn't see any difference. They all worked pretty well. Uh, But I did not to do this in any study, this is just anecdotal um, over quite a few patients, and uh, all four of them work uh, quite nicely. I chose uh, Refresh Plus just because it's probably the most commonly used one, and uh, it was fairly consistent uh, in its uh, results.
0: To sort of broaden our conversation here, (laughs) what I'm wondering is to, to what extent... Is uh, post LASIK dry eye a source of visual symptoms after after LASIK? And and I know that there was that was not part part of this, this sure, study. Sure, sure. I'll certainly tell you. I mean, it's, it's pretty uh, fairly
1: well documented and proven in a, in a few um, uh, papers, uh, whether they're peer reviewed or not is a different story. But that um, almost everyone is to some degree dry post-LASIK or PRK, maybe less so in the PRK group. All my interest in this whole visual acuity and artificial tears came about because of the volume of patients I would see post-LASIK surgery who were potentially, quote-unquote, unhappy with their quality of vision that first um, few weeks after LASIK. And whenever I put a drop of Refresh Plus in their eye, it was almost like a wow factor. They said, wow, what was that? And even if they were, say, 20-20 minus or 20-25 Snell and Acuity, you put a drop of Refresh Plus in their eye and it makes it a sharp 20-20. So I think there's quite a bit of uh, uh, dryness uh, post-laser eye surgery, but it is also fairly well documented by uh, a, a slow recovery to their baseline level um, that somewhere up to about a year after laser eye surgery, their visual, uh, their uh, level of dryness or lack thereof returns to uh, their normal level. So uh, early on in the uh, uh, post-LASIK period, there is probably quite a bit of dryness. But as you go months down the road, uh, you're probably back to your uh, regular level.
0: Why do you think that artificial tears make vision better? Is it all just topographic smoothing?
1: I, I think some of that has to do with it. Um, I tried uh, uh, a variety of methods and uh, to try to figure out why. Um, One of them, and I think it's been shown in a few studies, is that it definitely reduces uh, uh, high-order aberrations. Obviously, any sort of reduction in aberrations will improve your quality of vision. Um, I think you also kind of fill in any sort of uh, abnormalities in the tear film, uh, any breaks in the tear film, so topographical stuff is definitely a factor. Anything more than that, um, yeah, it's hard to kind of uh, uh, prove. So uh, I haven't really, uh, I don't have any other explanation.
0: From my standpoint, this is an important study. Not, not really in suggesting therapy for for patients since the effect of the of the teardrops was. Limited in in time yeah. um, but yeah. but in but in reinforcing that some patients who present complaining of blurry vision are are really telling us that they've that they've got dry dry eyes, um, particularly if if the blurring is something that's that's transient and if it's something that's linked with you know using a video monitor
1: yes, I think that's an excellent point. I think I go even a step further. I think this is probably one of the most underdiagnosed or missed uh, concepts in in ophthalmology. Um, I think there's a lot of people that come to us with the complaint of blurry vision and dry eye is not even a thought in our mind. I believe it's probably uh, one of the top reasons why someone might present with Blurry vision, given the fact that one of the most common patients that an ophthalmologist sees is someone with dry eyes. Whether it's LASIK related, contact lens related, or autoimmune related, or just postmenopausal, uh, I think we really need to pay more attention to uh, the tear film and the presence or absence of dry eyes when we got someone complaining of blurry vision.
0: Do you think that that the duration of effect of the tears could be improved with with punctal plugs?
1: Uh, There's no question uh, that is true. There have been two papers. I just submitted a paper to uh, Ascaris without going into detail. uh, uh, Basically, uh, patients post-laser eye surgery that have a little residual myopia um, you know, a half diopter, a three-quarters diopter, um, who don't necessarily complain of dry eyes. Um, I've put plugs in them, and uh, their uh, vision uh, clears up, and they don't uh, necessarily need enhancement surgery. So um, plugs definitely help the um, uh, stabilize that otherwise abnormal tear film even though it might not be similar to, say, putting a drop of Refresh Plus in your eye every minute, it certainly um, is the next best thing. So even though we can't enforce or instruct our patients to use drops every minute, specifically preservative-free drops, we can still manage and treat dry eye patients to try to achieve that um, Uh, less dry eye state by other means, plugs, uh, restasis, lid hygiene, and a number of other methods so that they get close to that state as if they were using a drop of Refresh Plus every minute. And uh, I think that uh, hopefully that creates more interest in the ophthalmic community because I think uh, we're missing something there.
0: Now, how are you using the information from the study in the context of your practice. of your own practice?
1: Sure. So, you know, obviously, the like no one can instruct a patient to use these drops as often as I suggest that they should, and uh, it's just not practical. So, I took it a step further, and um, I, you know, I told you of my uh, uh, disappointment with Shermer testing and other. Uh, available testing uh, for dry eyes and now I use uh, what I don't know if you've read about is my tear normalization test when a patient comes in and uh, I'm suspicious of dry eye I check their distance visual acuity and if it's not 20-20 or uh, if it is I do the uncorrected um, uncorrected um, near vision, and uh, I I recheck it after I put a drop of Refresh Plus in. And um, I just submitted this paper to uh, Cornea, uh, the journal Cornea. And um, if they, uh, I can't go into too many specifics with it because it's obviously unpublished, but basically, if uh, their visual acuity improves at least one line in Snellen, Uh, visual testing, then the chances of them having dry eye are extremely high. So, this is the only way, or one of the main ways I now test for dry eyes. I haven't done Schirmer testing in probably, except in clinical trials, in probably five years. And uh, this is the way I now uh, apply it to my general practice. I use uh, improvement of visual acuity after teardrop installation as a means of of, uh, testing for dry eyes and then the flip note of that is uh, if their visual acuity does not improve with teardrop installation they almost certainly do not have dry eyes hopefully this will be published and made available to uh, everyone and and this, this shouldn't be too new, uh, not too shocking to the ophthalmic community. I mean, I, I think a lot of people use drops, specifically refractive surgeons. People see the benefit of using drops, but I just uh, happen to just put it together in a study and it and, uh, and, uh, looks like it's a fairly accurate means of, of measuring um, or testing for dry eyes. I think uh, finally in the past year or so, uh, Dry Eyes is finally getting the attention and publicity that it deserves. Uh, It still remains to be the most common patient that we see in our office instead of telling our patients to use tears and see them again in a year. I think these patients deserve a little more attention and see them a little more regularly and uh, try not to dismiss their complaints of, uh, you know, foreign body sensation and blurry vision because to these people, it's quite a nuisance. Uh, Even though it's not a cataract or uh, a potential LASIK patient or a potential surgical patient, uh, I think we really need to pay more attention to these patients and... uh, what I've seen in my own practice is these patients tend to be uh, very appreciative um, of someone who is actually listening to them and and uh, addresses their dry eye complaints. And uh, dry eyes can be managed, and maybe not necessarily cured, and and uh, but certainly can be managed, and the patients will be quite appreciative of of your attention. That's pretty much it, and hopefully. With the new drugs in the pipeline, uh, aside from metastasis, I think there's a good dozen uh, formulations of various methods coming out in the next five, ten years, and uh, hopefully we'll have a much healthier uh, and, and nicer range of, of treatment modalities that we can uh, address uh, our patients with.
0: Rob, thank you very much. No problem.
1: Josh. No problem. Take care.
0: Robert Lutkani is associate adjunct surgeon at the New York Eye and Ear Infirmary, and assistant professor at the New York Medical College. He's also founder and director of the Dry Eye Clinic at the New York Eye and Ear Infirmary. His paper, Effect of Artificial Tears on Visual Acuity, appears in the November 2005 issue of the American Journal of Ophthalmology. Do you enjoy the programs you hear in this podcast? Why not contribute to the conversation? Share your expertise about an issue we have discussed by calling our listener response lines. In the United States, dial area code 646 That's a local New York number. In the United Kingdom, dial 020 7558 8275. That's a local London number. You can also ask questions of any guest who has appeared on the podcast. Your question will be relayed to the guest. Then your question and the guest's answer will appear on the following podcast. Ask questions of Dr. Latkaini or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Those listener response lines numbers are area code 646 8080231 in the United States. In the United Kingdom it's 02075588275 or Skype jyoungmd. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.